and welcome to episode number 76 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. It is episode 76. Jason Martinez with you from the home studio, uh, Russ from his home studio, and we have a special guest, Dave Panyota from the uh, Fourth Period magazine, thefourthperiod.com. Great to join us on this episode. First, Russ, uh, do you have a 76 for episode 76? He's a big person. You know I don't. So the fact that the fact that you asked me, you just want to embarrass me in front of the listeners, and I don't have one. I don't care. Dave, uh, an NHL number 76, do you have one? Player-wise, that, that's PK, isn't it? There you go. PK soon. Oh, that's Come right. on. Okay. You missed an obvious yeah. one. I thought yeah, Dave, yeah. you know, having listened to Dave on Sirius XM over the years and reading his stuff, I thought he was going to go real deep and go that North Dakota product, Chris Vandevelde. Oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was my, my hockey knowledge. My hockey knowledge isn't that deep to get that guy's number. Yeah, I, I, so I tried to forget about Vandevelde because he was a specialist and a specialist only. Nice guy. Though. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he is part of one of my uh, funniest broadcasting moments, and I'll tell this on here because I've never told it anywhere else publicly. But I was interviewing him after a period in, in the locker room where I work, Russ. You know what it is, NBA 1, the uh, NBA <laughs> visiting locker room. And it was when Bundy, Chris Terrian, was doing the in-between the, the benches uh, during the broadcast. And he was always fucking with me, Bundy. So he walks in as I'm in the middle of the interview, and he just ripped a fart so loud, it came over my microphone. And Vandevelde, nor I, could continue that very interview. <laughs> I still have the audio somewhere. I'm sure Bundy's just that's thrilled great. that I told the story, but <laughs> that's how that's professional that's we were. Good. Yeah. Um, Dave, uh, thanks for doing this, first of all, because um, the article that you yeah, wrote for sure. at thefourthperiod.com was as comprehensive and detailed and great stuff. Um, so I want to start with, uh, first of all, how have you been handling the pandemic and the pause in the NHL? And I, I assume you're outside of Toronto? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just north of Toronto. So it's, uh, it's been a little different. Um, I, I was actually in Florida I got back here on the night of March 16th, um, so had to do the whole, you know, self-quarantine. It wasn't as serious at that point as it was, I guess, a few days later. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been back since. Been here in Toronto just trying to keep busy, keep tabs on things. And, and uh, so furniture hasn't been talking back to me yet, so that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dishwasher is giving me the finger. It's like, dude, why are you running me multiple times a day? Hey, listen, I'm thankful. I, until I got my kitchen redone in this house, I didn't have a dishwasher for a lot of years. And I've only had it for maybe like three or four. You were the you dishwasher. Know, I was the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm thankful that I got one back. <laughs> yeah, that's key right now. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And, and well, uh, up there in Canada and here in the United States, uh, basically North America, it, we're in similar situations, but, um, you know, we're getting a lot of news. And I, I want to start here because I, I'm really kind of surprised by the NHL. And I give them a stick tap for this. But I think that they've done a better job than any of the other leagues uh, at kind of keeping its fans, uh, you know, in tune with what they're thinking, what's going on. It's been through good reporting from you and others, other guys that uh, are credible reporters. And, and also Bill Daly and uh, uh, Gary Bettman, the commissioner, uh, being pretty transparent. Are you surprised by the transparency with which they've kind of handled this situation? Uh, to an extent, um, considering we haven't heard, you know, similar news from the NBA. We haven't heard similar news from MLB and, and a few others. I mean, 
um, other than a few leagues that have announced that their plans to come back, like NASCAR plans end of May, PGA is planning June. Um, but with these sports and these leagues, uh, yeah, to a certain extent, it, it's, it's, it's welcomed, I think, across the board. Um, from you know, our side of things on the media side, from the fans' perspective, the players, the teams, it makes life a little bit easier to know that, all right, well, here's at least what we're planning. And, you know, if this was a perfect world and, and we weren't dealing with this or, or if it was already dealt with, you know, we'd be escalating things even further and back in May for the most part. But um, the fact that the league is at least shedding a little bit more light on what their plan is, uh, provided, or at least their plan A, it's, it's definitely uh, adds a little bit more optimism as much as there's so much negativity associated with this um, and people are going to chirp away on social media and whatnot, they're consulting the experts on it. So the fact that they're creating this plan seems to add a little bit more optimism to the sports world. And I guess in the entire world at this point. Well, and some team presidents chirped a little too much too, because then I knew the next factor. Yeah, it does. Cause <laughs> I knew the next day Batman had to come back out and say something, but I do think they've been more open with than the other leagues about their plan. Yeah. Like if you asked me, does major league baseball have a cohesive plan? I would have to tell you no, based on what's been put out there. The NBA has been told you about nothing. So right. that I can't tell you whether they have a plan or not. So at least the NHL is being open with their fans and that part's good. I think that part at least does keep them engaged, does keep them going. I did just look today. We're like second in the world in testing, but we're still far behind. And now yeah. maybe in the next month that changes. So maybe by the time you send them to a camp and they get ready, that all changes. And all of a sudden we've got tons of tests available and we feel better about the antibodies. It could happen. So I at least feel like they've got a plan for – that if that happens and that if it doesn't happen. And to me, that's important. Yeah. And, and look, and, and like I said, there are multiple plans. It, it all depends yeah. on how things are going to evolve. So if, if things move in the direction that everyone's hoping it does uh, from a positive perspective, then we're going to see guys being able to come back to their cities next month and slowly start, you know, entering facilities to a certain extent in some, in some markets, not in all of them but in some markets uh, and then have your formal practice scrimmage, whatever they're going to do for the next few weeks in June. And then end of June, beginning of July, at some point we'll start up the regular season again and then, and so on and so on and so on. So that's, that's the best case scenario plan. If, if that doesn't happen, if things get worse, then they go to plan B and maybe there's no continuation of the regular season. Maybe we see a tournament style kind of come into play for the wildcard contenders, which is part of a plan. I don't know if it's plan B or not, but it's part of a plan. Uh, and then you start playoffs and so on, and then another plan is playoffs and whatnot. But, again, all of this and, and talking to people with the NHL, uh, on teams, players, management, NHLPA execs as well, everyone is very encouraged by the prospect of, being able to come back in some as hard as it may be to believe for a lot of people, that's really the direction that, that they're moving towards because of all the government and health uh, experts that they're consulting with on a, you know, I'd say semi-daily basis. Now, let me ask you this, David, because I don't know if it's come up and I just kind of thought of it and didn't bring it up on other shows, but, you know, we're all using sanitizer all the time, right? We're 
when we're going, when we're leaving, yep. when we're touching things. Well, I mean, there are going to be, you know, refs touching the puck. The puck's going to hit players, players, sticks and all that. I do kind of wonder if, like, after the Zamboni, are they going to maybe spray down the ice with some chlorine or uh, bleach, rather? Are they going to sanitize the pucks ahead of time? Are they going to try and do something like that? You kind of wonder if they're going to take those extra steps because we all talk about testing and say, all right, as long as nobody's, you know, coming up positive, it's good. But yeah. – we still don't know about really about who's carrying and who isn't. And so I kind of wonder, do you think they're going to take extra steps on the ice to that? Cause you can't socially distance in a hockey game, but you probably could do some things. They're going to, they're going to take care of that ahead of time and immediately after. Okay. So with, with their plan, if it moves forward, they're going to have two or three games happening on the same day in their centralized locations. That, that means at some point guys are going to be sharing locker rooms in between that. And this is the primary reason, and Gary Benton mentioned this on with um, uh, Ron McLean, his, his interview, that they have the ability in the NHL rooms to sanitize it okay. immediately after everybody's out of there. So for them, uh, that's one of the reasons why they're going to stick to the NHL facilities. But they're going to do that beforehand. They're going to do that afterwards to make sure – I don't know if it'll happen mid-game or anything in between period, because everybody should be sanitized going in. Um, and obviously everyone will be, be tested beforehand. So they'll do it in between games, at, before games and in between games and after. Uh, and, and I think that should appease, from what I'm hearing, at least from a health expert's perspective, their message being relayed is that should be uh, appropriate enough to make sure that we're not having anything being passed middle of the game. Yeah, and that way it's a controlled environment from game to exactly. game. So doing something on the ice would be unnecessary because the presumption would be everybody that's participating, refs, coaches, players, uh, every aspect of it is going to be clean. Um, Dave, are you surprised at the willingness? And we understand why there's financial ramifications, um, but this willingness or really kind of preferred drive to finish the regular season um, because – Look, we get it's fair. Nobody's played this. You know, a lot of teams haven't played the same amount of games. You could go to a points percentage system, um, but they'd rather get those games in because they'd rather get the at least the TV revenue from those games. But um, yep. that kind of seems to be leading the way here. And, and I know you mentioned it in your plan A was for them to, to get these regular season games in and finish off the 82. Yeah, and, and again, yeah, that's absolutely the, the primary goal as, as part of it. You're not going to have fans in there, so you're not going to get the gate revenue you're not going to get the concession stand revenue and, and all that. But in addition to the TV revenue that's going to be you know, brought in from the networks and from the sponsors, there's also the gambling aspect too. That comes into the equation as well. And we know that the NHL has uh, you know, strong ties to that. and They've got some ownership stake in some of it as well. Um, so that's going to attribute to some of their revenue coming in, not strictly based to uh, – you know, TV sponsors and, 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 and broadcast revenue. So there's different elements that are coming into that as well. Plus, you've been compensating these guys, the players, for the duration. You know, technically, contractually, they would be obligated. And that's really getting into the nitty-gritty of it. And I don't think there's a disagreement between the NHL and NHLPA by any stretch because the guys want to play. There's no question. Um, and the guys that are chasing the Stanley Cup want to battle for it. So everybody's on the same page in terms of if it's safe to come back, just a matter of how and this is this is their plan probably have an october off or, or mid-september to mid-october off small training camp regular season starting i believe the fourth of november is kind of okay so two things 
The first one is if they did that 4th of November start of the season, you would hope they would build in a break in December knowing that we're going to get re-hit with this virus. Everybody says it's going to happen, and this way you don't have to disrupt the whole world. You could have it built in and say, this is what we're planning for. We know what to do if this happens. That's the first one. The second one is if you don't – I'm a proponent now of this June draft simply because of the – contracts that are going on with scouts and team management and also like the data like I get you could hand all the reports off to one of the GMs and you'll still have your director of scouting in there maybe one other guy but you when you get into the fifth round you don't have everybody on the board anymore and you have less fewer eyes and fewer arguments it really yeah. would, would impact the draft greatly and again I, I, I've been on some shows and some of the answers been well just extend the people and I'm like well, they're not going to do that because they're furloughing employees now. So are they going to furlough them for three months and then bring them back? I'm not even sure that, like, that's a good answer either. That's why I still think the June draft, even though it's out of order, does sort of make sense. And it does give NBC something to sell. And I know it's not the NFL draft for, for ratings, but I think they can get a million or two million eyeballs just on a, on a, you know, each night because there isn't much on. And even if you're not a big NHL fan and don't know the players, you might still watch because you're addicted to sports like I am. Yeah, it, it's definitely being considered um, a, a little bit more seriously than a lot of people think. Uh, I, I don't particularly like it, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of more on that fence, but I completely understand the other um, aspects to it. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think – they've got to figure out from a trade perspective because so many, I mean, this is like trade deadline part two right. for a lot of these teams and making these moves uh, to, to kind of shape up next season. Are they going to implement player to be named later? Can they agree on a particular player, but that player doesn't get, uh, 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 they don't divulge that information until the season ends. Uh, yeah, what and, if that player gets hurt? Cause he's in the playoffs. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. So there, I mean, there's, there's those elements that are associated with it that make things difficult. It's a tricky uh, a tricky situation. The other thing, too, is if they implement plan A and they're moving ahead with that, you're going to have hockey coverage because there's, the teams are going to be practicing at that point. So everybody's going to be focused on their Yeah, but teams. NBC's not going to show practices. They're not no, showing, they, you know, they're not but, doing that. But at least you have content. You've got some content. You can make the argument that you've got some content. You know, if, if they want to do their Wednesday night and do a broadcast related to everybody coming back and interview, you could at least create some content there. Um, it's still, I mean, I've talked to a lot of teams that think this is ridiculous and not a chance. And there were two uh, yesterday that told one during the NFL draft that said, ah, we could probably do it. Um, I so think it's the same thing, Dave. We heard the same thing at the NFL GMs three weeks ago. We don't yep. want to do it. It's stupid. There's, we have to get my house ready. I don't want to do it. Now, there's two things, I think, to that. The first one is I got that they were bitching at the head at the beginning, but the NFL did a good job last night. It ran with yep. pretty much without a hitch. But by you would think by early June, the NFL teams probably can do it from their locations, from their workout facilities, because at that point, even if they're socially distant from within there, I think they'd yep. be able to do that where the NFL guys can't do it because right now they don't have the ability to do it based on you know states' rules and such. Well, the, the that, other that, thing, that, the NFL had a conclusion to a season they knew their draft order. Um, the sure, NFL but I mean, also, you, could... uh, you know, if there's conditions on a trade like Tyler Toffoli, who ends up in Vancouver, if you re-sign him, then there's a pick involved. Are you deferring it well, to another year's No, draft? you know what? No, there's an easy – there is an easy solution to all that. 
they did say, hey, you know what? I mean, you, you might complain like your kid when you take away a toy, but there are no trades. You can only trade for draft picks. That's it. That's all you can trade. And if you roll it back to the 68 just to get the draft order, you can change the weighting of the lottery for this draft. They've changed the weighting of the lottery before. You could do it for the one-time draft. Okay, so then you'd have a play-in situation for a team like uh, Montreal or Chicago, and then they get into the playoffs and they go on a big run. They end up winning the cup, and then they, uh, and they somehow win the lottery. So they get Lafreniere, and they won the cup. <laughs> That's fine. That could happen. Good on them, but right? The, but the cup odds <laughs> – no, no, right. But the cup odds will be different. It's not like now if you come in second worst, you've got a 75% chance to go first or second. It would be different than that. Okay. They, I mean, if, if the draft is June, uh, you know, what, let's say it's the same date, so the 25th, 4th, whatever it was, you could technically have the lottery the week before. Right. And then give everybody that week to kind of prepare from a trade. I mean, look, we talk about trades around the draft all the time. There wasn't anything in Vancouver the day of, first no. round anyway. No. All the PK stuff and everything, that happened on day two. Right. NFL, everybody was talking about all the craziness that was going to happen in the potential trades. There were no big trades yesterday. I think there were three, three, moves, up, three moves up. That's it. Yeah, yeah. like a couple, couple things happening. Aaron Rodgers got a little pissed off. No one knew, knew about it. But I can't drink. That's good. I mean, you, you, you okay there? <laughs> I mean, I'm just spilling, man. <laughs> you should have perfected uh, that during the quarantine. I know. Uh, so it, It's going to be interesting to see how that I mean there are a lot of people high up that are pushing for this to happen um and there's it affects European players it affects a bunch of other things but um I think we're a little bit early in the process still I think we're further along than than probably a lot of people realize but um I don't think they've made a definitive answer or decision on that just yet yeah it's that's one of those things they'd love to check that box in a very what, yeah. what could be a very abbreviated uh, off season after they hand out the cup which could be somewhere around four weeks by some accounts six weeks depends on what it is um dave uh, one of the things and the trickle down effects of this is is what it's going to do to the salary cap both next year by, by projections which were there and that will that will obviously still all depend on you know, how much revenue they're able to, to really recapture in this situation. They have said it's going to be well, flat. Um, if they do end up losing part of that or a lot of that $1.2 billion that's still out there with no playoffs or no regular season, uh, it's going to put teams in a really tough position. I know compliance buyouts have been something that have been talked about. Uh, do you see that happening? Even if it stays just flat at the 81 and a half for a year or two, you look at a team like the Rangers, and they got to the deadline. They had a decision to make with Kreider. They did that based on a rising cap over the next couple of years. Now, all of a sudden, that may not be in the cards. Uh, will teams get a compliance buyout that, that has no effect on their cap going forward? It, yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I mean, if they get to plan A and they can finish out the regular season, I mean, playoffs generate, ooh, I think, five, six hundred million across. So of that, you're looking at at least half of that money that's going to be attributed to the postseason. You play out the remaining 159 games, whatever is there, you're probably looking at, I'd say of the 1.2, you're probably sitting at around seven, 800 million. So you're going to, you're not obviously recouping at all. You're not getting a concession stands and all that, which I think are around 300 um, from gate sales and, and all that jazz. So you're probably, they want to move forward with that flap with, with the cap that stays the same. So keeping it flat, keeping it at 80, 81.5 and then figuring it out from there. Remember in two seasons, you've got the NHL, uh, excuse me, you've got Seattle that's going to be contributing to HRR for the NHL and you've got the US TV rights deals that are going to be coming into play. So that's going to factor in in a couple of years, but next season, 
it's going to be it, it's going to be tricky. So I think a lot of teams, from what I'm hearing, are moving ahead with the premise that we're probably going to be at the 81.5 mark. Maybe it drops to 80, but I don't think the league wants to push it that much further further than that. So it'll be interesting, and that's where the compliance buyout topic comes in. Doesn't count against the salary cap. You still have to pay the guys two thirds of their salary, uh, but it doesn't count against the cap. That's the one loophole that they can put into this equation. Maybe not do two per team like they had when the lockout ended uh, a number of years ago. Maybe it's one per team. And teams that don't have anybody to uh, to buy out from a compliance side of things, well, there's the trade scenario that comes into play. Trade somebody over to that team for some assets. They buy the guy out. And, you know, it adds a little bit more activity in this. Well, it's going to be a very short offseason. Real quick on that, too. If they do put a compliance in, to me, one of the things that they need to accomplish with adding that in and giving people a get out of jail free card, because some of the, some of the teams will use it as such. Um, it, it's important to me that they also get an extension of the CBA here. Like you just mentioned, Seattle coming in the year after next, the new TV deal. Yeah. This league has seen way too many work stoppages. Um, they need to have labor certainty over the You're next. You're asking decade. for a miracle now. It's no, no I don't think that you are. I think that. <laughs> oh no, I think you are. Is, no, because you I think are. that the the PA and the league are in a good place right now, even though the players took it to the deadline on that extension. Uh, but with what's going on, if they can f- figure out a way to share the pain right now, can, can a, a new CBA, uh, the framework of that at least, come out of this? And it, it, that's got to be part of the compliance for me. It, there's a lot more positivity in these discussions, in this relationship than I think there's ever been. Um, we had Matthew Schneider, uh, one of the top guys at the NHLPA, on our, on our show uh, two weeks ago. And he said for the first time that he could remember, even dating back to when he played, the relationship between the NHLPA and NHL is good. Uh, for the, and this is a guy that, that played 20 years in the National Hockey League and hasn't played in, in uh, over 10 years, I think. So you're going about 30 years at least of, of a relationship that has been questionable. And he's saying for the first time he can recall, it's actually on good standing, good grounds right now. We'll see how things evolve. Um, I think the positive aspect out of this was we, they already extended uh, the, the, the current one by not implementing their opt-outs, right. which are you know, a good sign. Um, I think there's more progress. I think both sides, even before this, this pandemic, all this hoopla kind of came about, there were a lot more uh, positive pictures that have been painted that – the relationship was moving in the right direction. Now, this obviously has brought them closer. We'll see what comes out of it. I don't think we're going to see a CBA extension immediately, but I think the discussion is going to allow for an easier framework to be, to be put together. And, and, and there's other things that are coming into play. I mean, this might be a scenario where they say, forever a health perspective, okay, Beijing's off the table now. Now we're not going to the Olympics in 2022, but we want to be there in Italy in 2026. Time zone-wise, it makes a little bit more sense from an NHL perspective. They've already had some agreements in place in terms of the type of content that they can get from the IOC from an NHL perspective. So I think it's a, if we're taking positives out of this ridiculously horrible situation, probably taking Beijing off the table for the 2022 Winter Olympics from a health reason perspective which makes life a little bit easier as part of these negotiations for the next CBA. Yeah, but you know what? Great point. You're, I don't think Donald Fear is going to rush to do that because 
They, he knows his constituency still wants to play. And you could tell those guys, hey, there's some health reasons. And they're going to be like, well, tell me what they are. And they'll want to weigh it and still want to weigh to see if they're going to play or not. They will. I mean, they're not going to just summarily – I don't think they would summarily just say, yeah, you know what, you're right. It's better for us not to go. They never act like that. If, but if, if, there's an, if part of the negotiation they're turning around and saying, look, we're taking this into account that from a health perspective, that area of the world is probably going to be on the bubble for the next couple of years. So let's take it off the table. If we guarantee that 2026 and 2030, you guys will be able to participate in, in the Winter Olympics. I think if you give that a play and you guarantee the next two Winter Olympics are going to come to the equation, I think players would be satisfied with, with, with that. I'll give you the, the counter on that. So the counter on that is, so then Bettman goes, all right, so then you guys are all in for the, another World Cup of Hockey, right? And then they're going to be like, well, we didn't like the money that we pulled in last time. And then I think all of a sudden you've got a discussion now that didn't come up before, which I think would definitely come up if you're doing another CBA. They're going to want another World Cup. There's no question. The parameters of the World Cup have already changed in terms of what happened in, in 2016, um, which was a bit of a mess. And, and – uh, it's not going to be one city anymore. It'll be multiple cities. They've already had part of these discussions. Um, so it'll be back to kind of what it was a number of years ago where you had multiple cities play and then, all right, semis are in this city. Other semis are in this European city. This one's in Pittsburgh, for example, championship games in Edmonton or Chicago or wherever. Um, the, the league's definitely going to want to be part of that because it's different than the Olympics. They share the money. The NHL right. and the NHLPA kind of share it. But you're right, it's in the middle of the Olympics in 2028, for example, you're going to have another world championship that's going to that's gonna be played out, or, or a World Cup, so international event. So, so that'll, be, that'll be part of the discussion as well. Um, long about way for me to say I'd be shocked at this point if they go to the Olympics in Beijing, but I think there's ground for Italy, and uh, if they've named 2030, I don't know, but uh, if, if that happens... I think we'll see the next two Winter Olympics after Beijing. I think the NHL players will be part of that. Yeah, that's, that's a gut feeling yeah. more okay. so than anything. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and Ovi will lead the, uh, the Olympic tournament in scoring in 2030 because he's a freaking right. machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know about 2030. I don't uh, know. About yeah. that. well, that's you know that's aggressive. Yeah. If, that's if he aggressive. wins another cup, probably not because the, they're yeah. like dog years when he wins a cup. There's going to be a time where there's going to be a fat Ovi. Like there was a fat Thor. There's going to be a fat Ovi. Just <laughs> You know there's going to be. Um, there was a lot to intake for him during that party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, Dave, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about was, you know, this to finish the regular season, and I read this in your article, in Plan A, they would finish the regular season at one of those hub locations, whether that's Raleigh, Minnesota, wherever that might be. Um, first of all, uh, are you just going to play the teams in your hub, and is that your divisional teams, A? And B, um, one of the things you also mentioned was – you know, after that, maybe they do have home games, either with limited right. fans or no fans, um, as the playoffs start. So kind of talk through that and, and what, you learned, what you've learned in that regard. Yeah, it sounds like the regular season, the schedule will play out. Um, most of, and I took a look at this, most of the teams that have, uh, whatever, anywhere from 10 to 12 games left in the regular season, some have a little bit more, half of those games are against their division opponents. So from a travel perspective, at least half of the games that are remaining, there's not going to be a need for any additional travel. The other ones, yeah, there will be. And 
like I took a look at Toronto's because this is a team that I'm I cover on a regular basis being here they've got six of their games against their division one game their next game back is actually against Nashville so that's part of the central but their other five games are against the metro division so they can go down there for a week hammer out those or well it'd be more than that but hammer out those games and then go back to wherever their hub is going to be and play those games. So it minimizes travel. So they still want to play out the regular season based on its current schedule. So based Um, on the opponents that they had left, they still will – like the Flyers haven't played Nashville this year. They had one there coming up. They had another one against uh, Dallas. St. Louis was slated to come here. So they will still finish that. They won't just uh, face their division. Okay, that – Correct. Yeah, that's part of the plan. That's part of plan A. So they would still be able to to play out the regular season – it still minimizes travel. It makes things a little bit easier. Um, with respect to the playoffs, I mean, Gary Bettman kind of, I, I don't know whether he intentionally said this or it slipped a little bit. He doesn't slip that often. Uh, but he said that part of their goal would be to get the playoffs back in the cities that these teams play in. So if it's Philly against Pittsburgh, for example, well, games one and two are going to be out of Philly. You know, uh, three and four will be Pittsburgh and so on and so on. So whether they whether they condense that and maybe go baseball style and do two three two, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, home ice advantage really isn't going to make much of a difference anymore because there aren't going to be any fans. Uh, but it sounds like, based on what Gary was saying, uh, that you know they're going to look to have the playoffs as part of Plan A in the cities that, that will allow them to. And, and you're looking at seven that. seven game series across the board, or are they considering yep. five five seven seven? No, full full playoffs. They don't like you know they don't like the idea of condensing the uh, the, rounds. the the best of seven rounds. I'll give you the one downside to going back to the host cities. You know the cities that they're from is it's going to be nearly impossible to keep these players quarantined when their families and everybody else are so close. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's going to be part of it. Um, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that they're taking that into account, uh, but that'll that'll be difficult. I mean. You know, there's certain teams that even during the playoffs, like I, I, I don't know all of them, but I know Los Angeles, for example, during their cup runs on game days or, or the night before, they had everybody play, uh, staying over at the hotel right by Staples. So the team stayed there rather than going back to their home. So right. that might be a scenario where they stay in a hotel. And, and look, if, if you're battling for the cup, we're going to have to keep you – I mean, and, that, and at that point, I mean – if you're looking at the playoffs, probably August or close to August, we'll see how the restrictions are in place and where and all that. Things you would hope loosen up even further based on all the medical and health experts out there. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be a fluid situation, but they've got to have their plan A. And as part of their plan A, they have to have, all right, well, here's, you know, clause one of plan A in terms of travel and B and C and all that, so, so that you minimize exposure to uh, family members and friends and all that other stuff. Right, so that's why, and this is what probably in their plan B, why I'm more favor, I'm, I'm, I'm more in a proponent of the smaller areas, not because the virus doesn't exist in smaller areas, because without testing, you don't ever know, but simply right. because, like, let's say we go with the Toronto method, right, and Yes, I get it. There's a world-class facility there and hotels close by, but then all the people bringing you food, all the people, like they're coming into contact with way more people than you want them to. And there's a lot of other things that go into 
just these guys playing because they have to eat. There's going to be, you know, yeah, catering, everything, yeah. Catering, yeah. all that stuff being delivered. If it's in a big city, the person who's bringing it to you is definitely going to be in, a, in contact with way more people. Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard, at least from the hub cities, I've heard Toronto. I can't imagine Toronto would be one of them. I know, I know. it's not as horrible as it is in other areas and, and whatnot, but I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my top choice. And I don't think right. Toronto is a, is a top choice. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, and, and all of these are, are kind of in, into the equation. And I think, well, first of all, I think the next, my understanding is the next two weeks or 10 days to this point are going to play a big role in determining the direction that, that not just the NHL, but I think other sports are going to go in. Uh, how the curve either decreases or increases or that's all going to play a factor. Uh, but these next seven or sorry, uh, 10 to 14 days are going to be really important in determining what they do. And if in these 14 days, they're able to execute plan A, at least to start, then they're going to know, all right, June X, whatever it is, arbitrarily, let's pick June 10th. Uh, everybody can go back to their cities and everybody can start practicing again. Within that month that they've made that determination, they have to create scenarios or solidify at least scenarios for playoffs and on because I think it's going to be a, a, a as I said a fluid situation so plan a begins perfect now of plan a playoffs a b and c scenarios get played out and and so on so uh and and that's why you know at least they're divulging some information but at the same time league officials are still saying nothing is etched in stone yet and nothing will be or at least remain in stone because of, the, I mean, everybody just not knowing how this whole thing's going to play out. One day we hear that there's, uh, you know, testing's going to be available to everybody tomorrow, and then the next day it's going to be a week, and then the next day there's no cure, and then there's a cure, and blah, 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 blah. So it, it, they're running with the same information. Work, I mean, most of the same information, you'd hope that there's just a little bit more. Uh, well, all right, so one, and one without agenda. Thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one other thing, though. So we. MLB made the unfortunate decision that, hey, they're not going to refund anybody, even though games haven't been played and games have already been way beyond the games on the schedule. They're not giving anybody any money back, and it's angered fans. The NHL, now, when they get back into service, are they yep. just simply going to say, well, hey, your tickets are good, but you can't refund them? Or Because season ticket holders, like, they may not want to take the risk at the beginning. They may not want to go to games, but they'll be paying for them. Are, do you think there's going to be a refund method in there, or do you think they're going to just say, hey, you know what? You could trade them in for another ticket, but you can't get a refund. I, I, I don't know this definitively yet, but I believe there will be a credit system for future games. I yeah. think that will be um, the method that at least is the very preferred method to go in so that they don't have to give any cash back, which, at the, I mean, which from a business perspective, I understand. And from a fan perspective, there are no more games this season. I spent the money. You know what? Next season, I will. I, I'd love to go to a game next season once we can. I'll just defer it to you know December 9th, right. for example. Yeah. It's okay. a guarantee think, that money's going to be spent within their league if they give the credit, because they're not right. losing the money. It's just going to be pushed to a different year. Right. Credit or defer to another game or mm. you know whatever. But but at least. And again, I don't know this definitively because I don't think that determination has been finalized. Yeah, but I, I believe the, the preferred method is, all right, you, you couldn't go to a game on April 2nd. We will defer that or credit you that for a ticket next season. 
Dave, um, one of the big concerns for me, and again, and you just said it very well, we don't know where anything's going to be in June. And, and there are these variables. I'm sure that they have the biggest whiteboard at the NHL offices in New York uh, that we've ever seen yeah. with, you know, A through <laughs> Z to double A through double Z. Um, if this happens, this. And, and you start checking things off that as the dates go by that, that are not possible or no longer plausible. Um, but say they do get into the playoffs and whether they're playing all at a, at a neutral location or they're playing in their home buildings and you're in a conference final and player X from uh, one of those final four teams all of a sudden tests positive for COVID-19. Is that team now going to have to forfeit the round? I mean, this is a, kind of a worst case scenario, right? Because um, everybody yeah, that would be played, very bad. Yeah, I mean, then everybody they've played now all of a sudden – You've done all this legwork to get back, but you're really back to square one because any player that has that he's come in contact with is now also in the same situation by virtue of playing against that player. Yeah, I would hope that that's laid out right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. That all right, here we're coming back. Here's our plan. Here are the safety measures we're taking, and here's a contingency plan if an employee, a player whomever contracts the virus during this, this return period. Because the other thing is uh, not every employee of the team, not every staff member will be back once these players and teams come back. So not everybody as part of the organization is going to be back at the, at at least off, at least out of the gate. You'll have players, you'll have more of the hockey personnel and and training staff and all that'll be back, but you're not going to have, you know, the director of marketing and you're not going to have this and that that are going to be back right out of the gate. So, so they're going to do what they can to limit the amount of people there. Those people that do return and this includes the media, they're going to shrink it. They don't even know how they're going to access media yet. Um, They haven't made that determination yet. I, I, I just, I think they've got a few different scenarios in play, but they have, I mean, we're the last thing they're talking about right now. Uh, (laughs) No, but you know what? I, so what I do think would happen because everybody does talk about this scenario to me, it's got to be if somebody exhibits even just symptoms, we got to have like even either a quarantine floor in that hotel or an area where we have rooms ne- not near anybody. And that yep. guy goes to that floor and he's there for two weeks or until he tests positive, whichever comes first. Like, that's it. I think they just have to do it that way. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter when it is in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. I think they have to be very strict about that. And that's it. Yeah, it's a forced quarantine scenario, which, right. I mean, I, I have no problem with that. I would understand that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if that does happen, then their whole process has been flawed uh, because you're, you're already guaranteeing but you have, these. But you have to prepare for it. You do. And you, you do. No, absolutely. Yeah. 100% you do. But then you got to second guess and go, well, what the hell did we do wrong? And how is this still getting in there? And I think that would also be – a concern from a global perspective. If we did so much to isolate these, you know, 40 individuals on this team and 40 individuals on that, and they, they're all going through the same methods and somehow one of those 80 guys contracted it, well, we got, a, we got another thing to worry about here yeah. across the board. So, I, I mean, yeah, they're, they're planning out as much as they can and they have different task, force, task forces or whatever you want to call them that are in place to kind of create these different scenarios based on their discussion with the medical experts um but to their credit they're trying to you know check off every possible uh item that they can think of exactly what we're talking about uh before they finally execute 
any of these plans. Dave, um, one of the things, and you just alluded, you're shrinking the group, you know, your PR staff will be limited. Um, you yep. will have your, your trainers and your doctors and those, and those people around, obviously, because uh, you could need those guys in-game and, and for a variety of reasons and equipment staff, obviously. Um, is it your sense that at least initially in these hub markets that uh, the broadcast crews would probably be in a home market in a studio calling these games off of monitor? Or are they going to be in the building uh, albeit an empty building, uh, to call these games? They, they, don't, they haven't made that determination yet. Um, they're still trying to figure out what makes the most sense. I think, at least from a team broadcast perspective, I mean, those guys, they travel with the team on a regular basis anyway. So at least it makes things a little bit easier. I get they want to reduce the amount of numbers, so perhaps that's the case. But you're going to have to have crews there anyway. So you're going to have to have camera guys. Yeah. You're going to have to have people that are going to be working the boards and, and, and in the trucks. So there are going to be some people that are going to be there that aren't part of the hockey staff either. So whether they make that determination uh, or not, I think everyone's kind of preparing for it. On the media side, at least to start, until things restrict, they might have a Zoom conference after every game. Yeah, and that's you bring a guy in. Yeah. yeah, bring a guy in. You ask your question on, on a big Zoom chat. And they keep it from the public, so at least everybody can write what they want to write. Right. And, and you go from there. Um, until, let's say, you know, by middle of August, the restrictions are lifted. And, all right, we're going to allow 10 media members of every team and so on and so on and so on. Right. Boy, I hope that, I hope that Columbus makes the playoffs then because I got to see uh, ports in a Zoom chat. I think that yeah. would, and, oh, and then have technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> he, would throw the, he would throw something at the computer, at the, at the screen or whatever. It would be great. <laughs> No, what a beauty. That's what yeah. he'll do. Yeah, exactly. That'd be really good. They're going to have to put that on delay because the amount of cursing that's going to oh, happen. Yeah. Gonna, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Uh, Russ, do you have anything else for Dave? No, nope, I'm I mean, good. Dave's I've gotten it, so He's much information. I, I almost don't even know what to do with it all. But here's what I know, Dave, and I'll kind of wrap up with this, <laughs> is that th there seems to be – not seems to be, it's very apparent that there is a very strong desire um, from the people that matter in this game. Uh, the commissioner, the deputy commissioner, Bill Daly, um, the Players Association, uh, TV, and everyone involved, that they're willing to, to really kind of move mountains and, you know, come up with absurd scenarios because we're living in an absurd situation that if they can get this done and they can get this game back on the ice, that they're going to do everything in their power uh, pushing timelines even into November, as you mentioned, and, and late summer and fall and ice conditions and all that, that they're going to try and get this done. So uh, at least we walk away from this knowing that uh, if there's any possibility of these games being played, they're going to be played in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. And you can be sure that, that the league and, and not just the NHL, but NBA, MLB, everybody are going to look to the other sports that are coming back early. Not necessarily UFC because that's going to be totally isolated. But if NASCAR comes back at the end of May like they anticipate, that's a lot of people, even without fans. That's, that's proof, a lot of people yeah. there. So how are they handling this whole situation? What, are they, what steps are they taking? These other leagues are going to look at that. What, is, what are they looking at at the PGA when they come back at the beginning of June for their, I think it's June 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th. So they're going to look at those other ones as well and learn from, their, learn from them, learn the steps that they took to help guarantee as much as they can when the safest time to come back is. But you're, you're absolutely right. If it's safe to do so, they get the government clearing, they get the medical experts to clear this off, they're going to do it. And, and 
you take most of the, you check out most of the polls that are out there. They're all unofficial polls, whatnot, but um, not the scientific ones, but majority of people want to watch hockey again. If they got to wait for the, to go to the games. I think the public understands that, but to go watch the game, I think most people would love to see it back. And that's, and the league wants to do that. All right. Well, I, I lied. Last question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm the worst at that. Um, if, Okay. They, are, they are to come back. No fans in the buildings, whether they're in their home buildings or essentially hub located. They go for seven, you know, four rounds of best of seven. Is there any sort of asterisk next to a cup winner given this situation? All the teams are in the same boat. It's the same scenario. Yeah. It'll be the same heading into next year, except the teams that obviously get to the cup final and conference final will have a shorter mini offseason. Uh, but that comes at a cost of, of having the chance to, to get the cup. Uh, is there any asterisk next to this? Would it be any more so than a year where there was 48 regular season games and right. there was a cup winner? I, I don't believe that there is, in my opinion. No, I, I don't think there would be either because, I mean, even if even if we uh, didn't finish the rest of the regular season, we still played more games than we did during a lockout year. Um, I think there's only Carolina and the Islanders that have played 68 games. Everybody's at 69, 70, I think two are at 71. So for me, I wouldn't put one. Everybody's in the same boat. Everybody's going to be back in, in the playoffs. Most guys will be healthy. So everybody's going to be kind of on the same level playing field going into the postseason once they get there. So for me, I, I mean, it, I'll just remember it as 2020, the year of the COVID-19 coronavirus yeah, and all the cup. crap that we all had to go through. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dub it the COVID Cup if you want. Uh, but no, I, I don't think so. I, I think everyone will... Uh, they'll, they'll wrap this up. They'll look forward to next season and and go from there because the November to end of June time frame is, is in place. No bye week, probably no all-star week. Uh, hey, so be it. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, people can follow you on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at the fourth period. Yes, sir. At the fourth period.com is your website. That great story is on there. I'll, I tweeted it out yesterday and I'll do so again today. Hey, man, we really appreciate uh, you jumping on here on the Stick to Hockey podcast. You, you provide a, a ton of great information. And hopefully, uh, we'll do this again soon under much more normal circumstances. And uh, we're all hoping that the game gets back on the ice. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Everybody there stay it safe. Episode 76 in the can. We'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Thanks for checking it out. Everybody.